And it's time for midday. It is the 25th day of November. In fact, this will be our final midday here this week. Of course, Thanksgiving coming up tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. And then Friday, we'll have Oscar football here on the air. So uh, this will be the final one of the week. So soak it up. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports as he'll catch us up on Husker men's basketball and how they're performing so far. Bob Rogan will talk about stocks in the uh, business reports and what we can expect from that as well. But let's talk with Shaley Peters, who's filling in for Susan Littlefield this week to give us a preview of the upcoming featured interviews we can expect. Well, thanks, Tyler. As we draw closer to that Thanksgiving holiday tomorrow, have some pretty neat midday segments uh, today. And a reminder, of course, that we won't have them uh, tomorrow or Friday. But as far as midday today, for our 1219, Alex Boychowski has our Ingler uh, interviewed. And this week, it's an awfully familiar voice. Our very own Rebel Seclocha and her business partner, Amanda Most, are the guests on this week's Ingler program at 1219. They are the sewing hands behind West Wind company which is a wild rag business and we're going to find out more all about that again at the 1219-1245 Alex Boychowski is back with some Thanksgiving knowledge thousands of shoppers will rush to the store today probably even tomorrow morning if it's open and get that perfect turkey thousands of turkey producers have spent the year preparing for tomorrow and we'll learn more about the production from minnesota turkey growers association and then chabella comes in at 117 uh friday feeders a little bit early again this this week because of the holiday but she'll have her guests in for friday feeders it's uh, douglas olson of olson ranches in Banner County. So some really neat midday segments from the farm team as we head into Thanksgiving. Thanks, Tyler. Hey, thank you very much, Shaley. Sure appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to your family as well. Let's turn over to sports. Jason Jorgensen, well, the Husker men's basketball team off to a, a solid start this morning. Yeah, not bad. A little more than seven minutes left in the first half. They lead McNeese State 31-20. If you'd like to catch that game, you can find it locally uh, in the Lexington area over in Cami Country. But you and I have been watching this thing. I... I like what I see. They're still missing a big. It was also announced today that Derek Walker, they were planning on him being kind of their guy in the middle. He's got to set out for 16 games, which is three-fourths of the season. But they can hit some shots, and uh, it looks better than last year. Our bigs have stepped out to be three-point shooters. (laughs) So we don't have a traditional inside big. Uh, No, they really don't have anyone who's going to score with their back (laughs) to the bucket this year. And McNeese State, they're no slouch. Of course, they have Drew Cookshausen from Scotts Bluff. Uh, He was the leading three-point shooter in the nation a year ago. And that's crazy. He started his career at Shadron State, played a year for those guys, transferred, played Juco ball, and then ended up at McNeese State. So that's a great story. It is uh, terrific stuff. Of course, he has played in Pinnacle Bank Arena as well as he guided Scott's Bluff to a state uh, championship game. Not the state championship title, but the game. Yep, they were the runner-up. So we'll touch on that. Also, we'll tell you about what they decided down in Kansas with high school sports moving forward. They will start the winter sports season on the 1st of December. Okay, all right, very good. Thank you very much. Let's turn over to Bob Brogan. Uh, Stocks, how are they looking so far? They are a little bit lower as uh, we head into the Thanksgiving holiday. The S&P 500 down about four-tenths of a percent in the early going, but it's still holding on to a gain of more than 10% for the month. Meanwhile, U.S. consumers increased their spending by a sluggish five-tenths of a percent last month as we head into the uh, Thanksgiving season and also after that the Christmas shopping season. It's time for a regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. 
Paul Prickett's now joining me here in the studio. And, well, Paul, you're going to bring some good news for us, especially for uh, the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Yeah, it shouldn't be any kind of a problem if you're doing any kind of Thanksgiving uh, traveling over the next several days, dry weather, and very nice conditions for this time of year. You know, they are saying that if you are going to gather, uh, eat outside, well, you may be able to do that tomorrow. <laughs> Just grab a jacket. Yeah, a light jacket. Yeah, exactly. Maybe do it earlier in the day because those winds will be picking mm, up okay. as the day goes on with the cold front moving through. But today, a very nice day across most of the area still some clouds hanging on in the east it's going to warm up uh, obviously some areas are closing in on 50 degrees already here in nebraska but uh, boy just a nice rebound from the last couple of days exactly we got some welcome rainfall a lot of uh, locations at least seeing about a quarter to a half an inch of rain with that system that moved through yesterday still some persistent clouds right now in eastern nebraska and eastern kansas mainly along and east of highway 81 and that is holding down the temperatures still into the mid to upper 20s right now from about york on up into northeast nebraska right next to that cloud cover in central nebraska temperatures in the low and mid 30s from albion to york down through grand island and hastings but most of us right now with temperatures in the upper 30s to low 40s a little bit warmer over western kansas where temperatures are anywhere from 45 to 50 including as warm as 52 at colby also some low 50s as you head into northeast colorado with high pressure building in today will be very nice for a late november weather with the return of sunshine light winds and mild temperatures at or slightly above normal our lows tonight expected to be seasonal with some clear skies and some wind staying on the light side. Thanksgiving will remain dry with highs up around 50 for the in general across the area. By the afternoon, though, we'll see a cold front turn our winds to the northwest with gusts up to around 30. Now, despite that cold front's passage, Black Friday will still be slightly warmer than usual. In between systems, Saturday will be the nicest day of the next seven with temperatures that are about 10 to 15 degrees above normal. A cold front tracks south by Sunday. That's going to lead to some seasonal temperatures and some windy conditions by the end of the weekend and on into early next week. In our long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures are predicted to be seasonal to slightly above average for Monday through the first eight days of next month. Early December highs in central Nebraska are usually in the low 40s with average overnight lows in the upper teens. But low number of precipitation very likely for Monday through the 8th of December for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S. Now for the entire month of December... That forecast is out. Nebraska and Kansas likely to be warmer than normal for the month of December for temperatures and drier than normal for precipitation. Now for Thanksgiving, weather in central Nebraska, the daytime highs on average are usually in the mid-40s with morning lows averaging in the low to mid-20s. The warmest Thanksgiving on record just a few years ago, three years ago back in 2017 when we had a record high of 72 on Thanksgiving. The coldest Thanksgiving morning Back in 1938 with the morning low of two below. We're going to be kind of right in the middle there. <laughs> That's a big difference there. Glad <laughs> exactly. we're not going to have two below. Exactly. Now, due to Thanksgiving, the regional drought monitor was released a day earlier. All of Nebraska remains in some stage of dryness. North central Nebraska, the least dry with abnormally dry conditions. Most of Nebraska experiencing moderate to severe drought. Now, coverage of extreme drought that's been very prevalent in the Nebraska Panhandle. That is now expanded to include southwest Nebraska, including a very large area of southwest Nebraska, areas as far east as extreme southern Dawson County down to Harlan County, also in extreme drought, and then, of course, points off to the west in uh, southwest Nebraska. Kansas improved a percentage point to 13% 
13% drought-free with no dryness issues in the south central and southeast counties right along the Oklahoma-Kansas border. Most of Kansas remains abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Severe to extreme drought is found in western Kansas and as far east as Smith Center in the north central and along with much of northeast Kansas in severe to extreme drought. Weather factors in the markets include mixed chances for rain in South America that include rain chances for Argentina drier weather in central Brazil. Central Brazil mainly hot and dry right now with temperatures exceeding 100, a pattern that's stressful to their developing soybeans and corn. On top of that, only light rain is indicated for central Brazil. Southern Brazil expects moderate to heavy rain to benefit their soil moisture. Argentina's forecast includes moderate to heavy rain in northern crop areas with light to moderate amounts in the central and south. The rain chance and the start of better rain chances will be closely watched. Soil moisture in short to very short supply in the areas with the highest rain chances. But the good news is we're going to have a relatively nice Thanksgiving day. Might be a little windy here or there, but overall we're not going to have the super cold temperatures. Might not be uh, super warm either, but not bad. Exactly. Yeah, Just grab that light check and keep it handy and kind of a typical late November pattern on the way. All right. Can't complain about that. Uh, for a tire forecast, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey, celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. And you'd be surprised how hard it is to make a perfect square wild rag. It doesn't sound that difficult, but it is a challenge. Thanks for joining. If that voice sounds familiar, it's Rural Radio Network's Rebel Sikloche. Rebel and her business partner and best friend, Amanda Most, are the founders of a wild rag business called West Wind & Co., Last spring, Amanda and I were both in the Angler 275 class, which is affectionately known as the $50 business class. So we initially started with four team members. It took us a while to get a business idea selected and even longer to pick a name. But eventually we, um, we got through that process and uh, West Wind & Co. was born. Amanda said that the $50 business class was a great way to learn about entrepreneurship and experience it, but the duo wanted something more. So we kind of always went in with the intention to hopefully continue this as a little side gig, not just a class project. And I think the driving motivation behind that for us was we've had a lot of conversations about as Angler students, we have learned so much about entrepreneurship and we talk so much about entrepreneurship, but we wanted to experience it. And we know that to learn and grow, we had to actually get our feet wet and start something. And so this was kind of our way to be able to do Mm -hmm. that while being college students. And although both Rebel and Amanda had sewing experience from 4-H, they quickly realized they had a lot to learn. In the beginning of this, when the idea of making and selling wild rags started to become a thing, I was visiting about it with my dad in the feed truck, and we were just kind of scheming of what the process would be like and you know i did sewing growing up in 4-h so i thought i knew how to do that but the seams for a wild rag are we use a serger instead of a conventional sewing machine because that would take a lot longer so i think we thought it would be really simple we were kind of just like how hard would it be to sew a square piece of fabric but there was a lot more that we found out that that goes into it so we have a lot of fun selecting the different patterns. It took us a while to find a fabric source that we particularly enjoyed just because we wanted them to be consistent. But from there, we've just kind of tried to perfect our sewing process and working on marketing, too. While starting a business can seem daunting, Amanda said it's all about starting and starting small. 
One of my fondest memories of starting this was last year after one of our Monday night meetings for our sorority. We just kind of made an announcement. We were getting ready for a Western themed formal. And so we told everyone that we could help dress them. And we had our little Rubbermaid tote and we just sat on the first floor of our sorority house and kind of laid them out on the table and tons of girls just like stopped by and wanted us to teach them how to tie them and like how to wear them but they also discovered oh like I can wear this in my hair and I could put it on my bag and that's so true like they can be worn in multiple different ways and because Rebel and Amanda are business partners and best friends Rebel said they've had to learn how to balance their friendship and business interests expectations have to be very clear of who is going to do what and It's not like we're reinventing the wheel here. Our business model is fairly simple. We make a product, we sell the product, we ship the product. But there's a lot of things in there that I don't think we necessarily realize going in. And because we are such good friends, we really wanted to make sure that we didn't compromise that in any way for a profit margin. Or, I mean, ultimately, our priority is to maintain our relationship. You can learn more about West Wind & Co. on Facebook, Instagram, or Etsy. And you can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln at angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. This is Ellen Simmons, and I'm a news reporter and on-air announcer for KRVN. I am thankful for being able to get married in the middle of this pandemic, and I also want to take this time to apologize for constantly reporting on the bad news. One day, we'll have something good to report. But in the meantime, have a happy Thanksgiving. It is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen has stepped in, and, well, Jason, the Husker men's basketball team, off to a solid start. When was the last time we saw a 50-point half? Uh, they shot 58% from the floor in the first half and led McNeese State 50-28 to at the break. 12-14 left in the second half. Nebraska leads McNeese State 65-41. I'm not predicting they're going to be Big Ten champs or anything, but this second installment from Fred Hoiberg looks a whole lot better than the first. You mentioned, you asked the question, when's the last time you've seen a 50-point half? I've seen many 50-point <laughs> halves where the other team has scored yeah. 50 points. But uh, but no, they look solid. They look more like a, a together group than last year, it really seems like. You know, you got a lot of guys out there who have been the man at other places, mm-hmm. but they've spread the floor well. they passed the ball. Uh, you know, they're still struggling at free throws, but Rome wasn't built in the day. No, but. the defense, I thought, very good. They're playing good help side defense. They forced quite a bit of turnovers. So, again, good start here in 2020. Still missing a big, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, this this promising. Of course, if folks like to catch the rest of the game, they can find that locally over Cami Country. Patriots running back Rex Burkhead says his recent knee injury will keep him sidelined for the rest of the year. In an Instagram post yesterday, Burkhead wrote that he looks forward to coming back better than ever in 2021. Hopefully that happens for the former Husker. While it wasn't as many games as they would have liked, the UNK football team is glad they were able to play a couple games this fall. And all in all, head coach Josh Lynn says it was another step in the right direction. I'm very appreciative that we did get our two in. And you know our whole goal this 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 uh, fall was to continue the momentum uh, from the free, previous uh, uh, previous season as well as get some younger guys some reps that well needed game reps uh, you know maybe that they haven't had the opportunity to have yet. UNK beat Pittsburgh State and Shadron State. Their games against South Dakota Mines and Missouri Western were canceled due to COVID. 
Do they anticipate a, a big group coming back for those few seniors that uh, are going to elect to come back? Just about every one of those guys wow. is coming back, so they'll probably only okay. add about between six to ten guys for recruits. And this is good news. The MIAA finalized plans to conduct a women's soccer and volleyball season in the spring. The volleyball season will wrap up with a postseason tournament to be held in mid-April. They can play 20 contests. For soccer, they're allowed to play a six-match schedule along with two postseason matchups. And Winter High School Sports in Kansas will begin as scheduled. The Kansas High School Activities Association Board of Directors approved the calendar yesterday. That vote allows competition to begin on December 1st and then again after the winter break on January 8th. However, with the games from December 1st through January 28th, no fans will be allowed at any high school game in Kansas. They, there was some talk. They thought they might postpone this thing entirely until the middle of January, but this is the uh, I don't know. The, the This is a common ground they came to. At least they're going to have sports for now. Here in Nebraska, meanwhile, uh, first high school basketball games next week, right? Uh, Thursday. Wow. All right. And it sounds like each school's kind of doing things a little bit differently, and at most places, only immediate family will be allowed in. Well, it, it's a start for now. I mean, obviously, I think it's nice that there's some flexibility, and there should be as the season goes along of what you should do. So. And if you can't make it to a game... We'll bring you plenty of those <laughs> across right. our platforms. We'll be busy. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Hey. Time for midday news. Ellen Simmons has now stepped in. And Ellen, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving. What did uh, I was asking Clay this earlier? But uh, what is uh, one of your favorite dishes, either to eat or make for Thanksgiving? Um, so there's a couple, <laughs> like they're must-haves. Okay. My mom makes this mashed potato recipe that has like sour cream and cream cheese in it, and sounds good. It's very good. So it's like baked potato, basically, but just in uh, mashed it's potato form. It's all mixed together. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. It's good. good. And then. Um, the other one, I'm actually making this for Thanksgiving tomorrow. It's crackpot cream corn. Crackpot cream corn? Crock I was pot. Like, is, Sorry. What, I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Crockpot. <laughs> cream corn. Yep. Okay. So fresh corn, and then you, you mix it with some uh, uh, cream? American cheese slices, like the sandwich slices. Okay, yeah. And mm-hmm. then cream cheese, lots of, um, I believe there's also shredded cheese in it, mm. too. And then, yeah. When you started with the cheese, uh, I, I'm already bought in. I'm sold. That's all I needed <laughs> is the cheese. Good. So, well, it is it's always fun to kind of hear what everybody has their own little traditions or their own little meals yeah. that they have each time. So, very good. What's your favorite? Well, I was telling Clay, mine's always the go-to homemade rolls. Mom makes the most oh. delicious rolls, and in fact, she said, "I know that you want the rolls. We're going to make an extra batch for you this year, so we'll have extra rolls." <laughs> See, we always do the Sister Schuberts. You ever had those? I I don't know. Are they the prepackaged ones? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think so. I mean, there have been times where we've had to go the those route, like the Hawaiian king rolls or whatever. Yeah. Those are solid too, but n- again, nothing Sister beats the Schubert's. homemade rolls. Gotta go with Sister Schubert. I'd put them up against my mom's, and I don't know. I don't think that they can be contested. Okay, so fair enough. <laughs> But, as we know, obviously, again, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, so as we continue that, uh, everybody's continuing their holiday meals. Well, preparing for holiday meals this year may look different for many people as we consider celebrating in smaller family groups due to COVID-19. Some people may be preparing turkey for the first time, if you're one of those people. Uh, Cumming County Extension Officer Hannah Gunther explains how to cook a turkey. 
make sure your oven temperature should not be any lower than 325 degrees. I would say 350 to 375 is a good method. Um, and then you want to make sure that your turkey is breast side up. That is extremely important um, in a shallow roasting pan. Um, and then you are going to cook your turkey. And the biggest thing is knowing when your turkey is done. So a lot of times our turkeys come with those little pop thermometers. And unfortunately, we can't always trust those. So you want to make sure that you have a, a calibrated food thermometer. And you want to make sure that your turkey has reached an internal temperature of 165 degrees before serving. For more helpful tips on planning for Thanksgiving, food safety recipes, and more, visit food.unl.edu. Real quick, are you a dark meat or a light meat fan? Ooh, uh, Very important question. I go for both, honestly. Oh, good answer. <laughs> no, that's a solid answer. I, I prefer the dark meat, but yeah. yeah, you can't go wrong with both. No, you can't. Light meat is good on sandwiches, too, the next couple days. That so. is very true. All right, sorry, just had to ask. <laughs> no, that's good. Two more of Nebraska's biggest cities joined the growing list of communities that have passed local mask requirements in the face of the governor's refusal to issue a statewide mask order to help slow the, ma- the spread of the coronavirus. Grand Island and La Vista voted Tuesday to approve mask mandates, joining the likes of Omaha, Lincoln, Norfolk, Beatrice, and Ralston. Governor Peter Ricketts has rejected issuing a statewide mask mandate because he believes it would generate resistance. The number of people hospitalized with the coronavirus decreased slightly on Tuesday to 936, but the total remains close to the point at which Ricketts said he would impose more social distancing restrictions. The coronavirus pandemic is prompting a change in plans for the University of Nebraska's $155 million football training facility project. The Lincoln Journal-Star reports that the Board of Regents on December 4th will hear a plan to split the project into two phases. Phase 1 calls for completing the new building, which shelled space for at the base of a new North State, excuse me, a new North Stadium tower. Phase two will build out the academic center and training area in the new building and calls for the completion of renovations at the Hawks Championship Center. Preliminary Nebraska deer check-in numbers statewide is down 3% compared to last year for the November firearm season. 42,024 deer were harvested during the nine-day season compared to 43,418 in 2019. Even though the statewide trend was comparable to previous years, regions of the state varied. Southeast Nebraska was up 7% from 2019, while Southwest was down 10% and only 2-3% to down for Northwest and Northeast. For the 2020 November firearms season, Nebraska Game of Parks changed how hunters check in their harvested deer by using telecheck to help reduce the spread of COVID. Archery season closes December 31st, while muzzleloader season is December 1st through 31st. The late antler season will run January 1st through the 15th. You can find more news at krvn.com. Thank you very much. It's the staple of most Thanksgiving dinners. (laughs) The turkey. Thousands of shoppers visit the grocery store just before Thanksgiving every year to pick out the perfect bird. But thousands of turkey producers spent the entire year preparing for the holidays. Today we're learning about the turkey from hatching to processing to cooking. And we're joined by Sarah Anderson. She's the executive director of the Minnesota Turkey Growers Association. Sarah, thanks so much for being with us today. Start us off by telling us about the turkey industry in Minnesota. Sure. So the Minnesota turkey industry is very important to our state. We provide over a billion dollars in economic um, stimulus here in the state. And 
over 26,000 jobs for Minnesotans. We actually are the number one producer in the nation of turkeys. Um, I kind of call uh, our turkey farmers the quiet neighbor that you didn't know were such a big deal because they really are a big deal in what kind of impact they have for the state. Absolutely. So for us beef and corn and soybean producers across the state, we probably don't fully understand the growing process and what it takes to get that turkey ultimately to the plate. So walk us through that process, if you would. Sure. Well, you know, the important part is, is we do consume a lot of corn, our turkey uh, does. So we're a great um, client, if you will, of uh, corn growers. Um, What happens for our growers is the birds are actually um, bred and hatched in a different facility, and then they travel to a farm where they receive them in at when they're pulse. And uh, then they grow them up through um, two different, they have a um, brooding barn is when they start when they're babies uh, as pulse, and then they bring them to the finishing barn, which is where they grow them to the size that we see in the grocery store. And, you know, there's three different types that are um, grown. We've got toms, so those are the big birds, and typically the breast meat comes from a tom. And then you've got heavy hens, uh, which are maybe, you know, 16 to 18 pounds somewhere in there. And then you have light hens, which will be anywhere from 12 to 13 pounds, ballpark figure. Um, and so, yeah, so those are the different varieties that you have. Um, fresh meat, uh, fresh turkeys that you see in the grocery store around Thanksgiving time typically are hens that you'll see. Um, and yeah, and we just hope that people uh, buy their turkeys for the Thanksgiving holiday, no matter what size of gathering they decide to have. Absolutely. And you kind of mentioned it, that regardless of what aspect of agriculture you're in, it all plays off of each other. So how, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah so how does the turkey industry then um, influence all the other agriculture aspects in Minnesota? Sure. So, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, we're a big consumer of corn and soybeans. And then obviously all of the livestock industries, we all work together because it's really important Um, to make sure that uh, when it comes to policy, that whether it's manure management or dealing with uh, the price of the inputs, um, we are all working together to make sure that we can support our egg economy. So we're just part of that that big uh, piece that makes Minnesota a great place to live. Well, Sarah, you had mentioned before we came on air that this time of year, the holiday season, is really the pinnacle for turkey growers across the country. But this year is a little bit different. What are you guys seeing as far as consumer trends go this year? Uh, You know, we're trying to plan for every situation. Uh, We're not sure we're certain if people plan on having smaller gatherings, if that means they want a smaller bird, or if they're looking to kind of maximize their cooking time and get a larger bird and and benefit from the leftovers. So our growers, it's hard to pivot in agriculture. You know, you have a plan for the year, um, but they're trying to make sure that they can accommodate all um, uh, consumers' demands for this holiday season. So no matter what, there's going to be a turkey for everybody in, in their grocery store. It's just a matter of them deciding which, which version they want. Oh, very cool. I love that. So let's dive into a little bit more of the cooking side of things. Do you have any tips or favorite dishes as far as turkey is concerned? <laughs> I do. Brine. Brining is the key to a very moist uh, turkey. And I use the Elton Brown um, 
brining recipe that you can find on the Food Network. That's my go-to recipe. I've used it for years. My father-in-law tells my tells us all that's his favorite turkey, even with my mother-in-law sitting there. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a winner um, for that. And then other turkey dishes. What I really like, um, I'm a I've got a son uh, and working mom. I like to utilize. There's these turkey breasts that are marinate, pre-marinated. You really just have to open up the package, put it on a cookie sheet, you bake it, and it is done, and it's perfect every time. Um, and I just I love that because it's just so easy. Um, I don't have to do any thinking about what's for supper. Awesome. I love it. Well, Sarah, as we round out this conversation and you're representing all of your turkey growers in the state of Minnesota, what else is important to note that we missed? You know, I just think it's really important when we think about the time that we're in with COVID. um, For our farmers, they've had to be really creative. And farming in general is a risky proposition. You're kind of like going to Vegas every single day when you're a farmer, right? You know, we have many family farmers that maybe you're third generation, fourth. We even have some sixth generation family farmers. So it's it's a life, a way of life for them. And so every time you're you're making that purchase in the grocery store, you're not just supporting a grocery store or some big processor or anything like that. You're actually supporting a family farmer. And that is a great message to end on. Thanks so much, Sarah. That again is Sarah Anderson. She's the executive director of the Minnesota Turkey Growers Association, teaching us about all things turkey and hopefully helps us appreciate the turkey and the turkey growers this holiday season. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Alex Wojcicki, wishing you a very blessed Thanksgiving on the Rural Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are mostly lower as Wall Street heads into the Thanksgiving holiday. The S&P 500 index slipped four-tenths of a percent in the early going, but it's still holding on to a gain of more than 10% for the month. Most stocks in the benchmark index were trading lower, led by banks, communications, and healthcare companies. The Dow Jones Industrial Average eased below 30,000 a day after passing that milestone for the first time. U.S. consumers increased their spending by a sluggish five-tenths of a percent last month. That's the weakest rise since April, when the pandemic first erupted and a sign that Americans remain wary with the virus resurging across the country and threatening the economy. The October gain reported today by the Commerce Department followed a seasonally adjusted 1.2% increase in September. It suggested that consumer spending... The primary driver of the U.S. economy is being restrained by a weakened economy and by the failure of Congress to provide another stimulus package to struggling individuals and businesses. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits rose last week for a second straight week to 778,000, evidence that the U.S. economy and job market remain under strain as coronavirus cases surge and colder weather heighten the risks. Jobless claims climbed from 748,000 the week before. Before the virus struck hard in mid-March, weekly claims typically amounted to only about 225,000. Many health experts are advising that people refrain from traveling and keep gathering small this Thanksgiving due to the pandemic. But Trilby Lundberg, publisher of the Lundberg Survey, has some information on gas prices for those who do plan to travel. 
Lundberg says the national average price for a gallon of regular unleaded is $2.18, down about a penny a gallon over the past two weeks. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Welcome to this week's Friday Feeders, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. Olson Ranches has its roots in Banner County with a diversified operation, growing crops and raising cattle. Douglas Olson runs the family operation with his wife Pamela and father Art Olson. Douglas says the ranch was started in 1885 by his great-grandfather, who moved from Kansas to Banner County. He says both the crops and the cattle do well, but explains how the cattle became more of a focus. The cattle have always been an important part of the operation. I just think that uh, through the generations, they felt that the cattle fit the resources, matched the resources here in Banner County, uh, that we were able to expand that enterprise as they fit those resources and uh, were able to take advantage of some of the opportunities with the, the abundant grasslands, the abundant feed resources we have in the panhandle, uh, that we could enlarge that cow herd and be part of our operation. Cattle has also been a passion of Olson's as he grew up on the rangelands. I'd been involved in our operation, uh, and certainly going, growing up through 4-H, we did the livestock and uh, we showed cattle through 4-H and I got involved in some of the genetics through that and by the time I was a senior in high school, I was able to show all the cattle all the cattle that I showed as a senior uh, were from females that I had raised or purchased. And so that was what really got me involved in some of my own cow herd. Uh, but it, the genetics part of the, of the cattle is, my, is the thing that interested me the most. The operation from the beginning has always been a family business. Pamela is often right by Douglas's side in running the business. Well, I like to call myself... Um, highly reliable, unskilled labor. So I do um, really whatever Douglas needs me to do with the cattle. Um, I help process cattle. I help at calving time. I help AI the cattle that are on our operation. Um, every animal, every female on our operation is exposed AI at breeding time. And I'm in the AI box with Douglas, thawing semen and loading the AI equipment for him on essentially 90% of the cattle that come through the box. So I do that work outside and then I also help in the office. You know, there's a lot that has to happen in any business operation and this operation is no different. Olson Ranches runs a commercial cow herd of mostly heifers and some Red Angus cross cattle. Douglas says they do finish and sell everything market ready out of the herd. Uh, we have been involved with the Hereford breed as long as I know. My great-grandfather had Hereford cattle. Uh, they matched our resources. They were adaptable. And um, as everybody has evolved um, today to match our resources, the Hereford breed does an excellent job. And through the finishing phase, they perform well. And uh, we are able to market some very sought after genetics and to be able to market some steers very in very high regard as far as carcass quality and meeting the consumer demands. 
I'm Chabella Guzman with the Rural Radio Network, and we'll be back in January to learn more about the Olson's heifers and genetics in our Feeder Fridays, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. Play patent on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in on the closing grain markets now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. And, John, we this is the last full trading day for the week. No markets tomorrow and then a half day coming in on Friday. So, really, today is kind of that first notice day, even though it's officially Friday. Is that why we saw the regression in the grains today? Yeah, I would think so. You know, a lot of folks had to meet up contracts, uh, you know, for the end of the year. December delivery being a big deal. Um, kind of see the July contract supportive May as well. Uh, March obviously not so much. Um, so it's you know dynamic here in the short run that uh, we can overcome hopefully. And I don't see anything changing. Global markets remain strong. Uh, you know currencies at this point in time we're going to see uh, plenty of back and forth on the positions. But uh, I don't know. I don't look at any decipherable direction here as we go into the end of the month. The next USDA report comes out i think the 10th of december so between now and then there really isn't a lot to talk about outside of brazilian weather and then we look at these fund positions as well they were they were very long coming into this market of course now they're gonna have a holiday maybe wanting to take some profit in but is this the kind of dip that the the funds are going to be looking for to try and buy and extend those long positions Uh, yeah i would think so commercials as well you know you kind of i love the rumors that china's canceling beans those are those are always fun to deal with in the market will see a uh you know a shot down to uh, you know, to see the markets give you a chance to get in. A lot of folks think big bull markets will always give you an opportunity to get long. I think you have to be patient here um, and be able to handle out those breaks of 20, 30 cents because they're going to come. You know, that's only two percent, three percent of these prices. So, short run here, it's a uh, you know, it's a market that uh, hopefully will you know break and hold above 12 bucks. But like I said, I think we need more USDA data, if not Brazilian weather, to get the prices to move here. Okay. And then we see the wheat as a percentage leader to the downside here today. Can soybeans and corn continue to break away from the wheat market, or do they need wheat to come higher to truly get over that $12 bean threshold? I think that's going to be a little bit of a lid in the short run. But, again, to get through, we need confirmation that you know the Brazilian crop's lower, and we haven't seen that yet. So until that happens here, I think the market's got you know $12 on the upside and uh, you know probably $11.50 or $40 on the downside. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can always learn more by visiting their website. That's danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com. There you can sign up for a trial of my, or of John's newsletter. Rather, It's called This Week in Grain. He sends it out every morning. Quick video update plus uh, published and written material and uh, charts to analyze and view there. Do remember, though, in all of it, that trading futures and options involved risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors, so do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Wednesday edition and the final edition of Midday here uh, during this week. Of course, we'll be uh, away tomorrow for Husker football. and I'm sorry, for Thanksgiving holiday. And then uh, we'll be uh, away for Friday for Husker football. Just getting a little bit ahead of myself. Husker basketball tomorrow afternoon and then Husker football on Friday afternoon. We'll be back with Midday again, though. On a Monday, you can always listen to our midday podcast sponsored by Zaveni Motors. That's available on any Android device or any Apple device, or you can find it at krvn.com.